The Jin Show will start in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Hello guys, welcome to The Jen Show, where we talk about what's relevant in this day and age as we reminisce on the memorable days of the iconic thousands. This podcast is hosted by Jaden Edison and Maria Carraza, and we are now live. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Welcome to the Jen Show. Hello. My name is Jaden. And my name is Maria. And we are back for episode eight. eight. We are here. Episode eight is in the building. How we doing? How we doing? We're doing fine. It's still hot. Yeah, it's definitely <laughs> hot outside. Changed? Nothing has changed. Every episode we've done this summer has been scorching hot outside, but we still managed to get here and get this thing rolling. Oh, so yeah. we're here. We're here to rock and roll. Once again, the pre-recorded intro is brought to you by both of yours truly. You know, we're, <laughs> we're you know, we're killing the game with it. Got some compliments Inspired already. By yeah. iCarly. Most yes. definitely. <laughs> Shout out to Freddie. Shout out to Carly, shout out to Sam, you know, all the superstars from that show that inspired everything we do, or at least the intro part that we do here at oh, yes. the Gen Show. So, yes. yes, we are back for another episode. Um, It's an exciting time. It's an exciting week. You know, we're mid-July. Things are rolling. We're almost hitting August, the hottest month of the summer. Yeah, everyone's um, on vacation or on summer school. <laughs> most definitely. If they're not doing that, then... Geez, they're just, I don't know what they're doing. They're just hanging out in the hot sun and, and getting ready to gear up for On the what's river. to come. Most mm-hmm. definitely out here in San Marcos. So, yes, we are back. So, before we get started into the, the nucleus of what we're going to discuss today, you know, I always like to ask, is everything good with you in life? Is everything, are we rolling? Oh, yes, yes. I'm so excited to talk about what we're going to talk about today. Most definitely, as am I. And I guess we might as well not even sugarcoat it. And we might as well give a rundown and, and get into what we're going to talk about today. So today is all about, or at least we're going to start it off with FOMO, the fear of missing out, right? Oh, yeah. And the big overarching question that we're going to ask is, is FOMO a real thing? And if so, what are some examples of that happening and, mm-hmm. and some ramifications that we've seen in real life with FOMO, so to speak? Yeah. So that's the overarching question. So without further ado, we can go ahead and just jump into it right now. So... Do you believe that this is a real thing? Yes, because even though it's kind of silly and it sounds vain and it stems from social media, um, I, I just I feel like social media helps with it. But it's still some sort of anxiety that right. people have. And it's something that bothers people to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. So I really believe in it. I mean, some people could care less, but, you know, when something bothers you, it bothers you. Most definitely. And I would say that the biggest example for those who may not understand what FOMO is, let's say, you know, you have a group of friends. They're out. They're in New York City. They 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 orchestrated a trip together. Oh, yeah. And they're Mm. they're just scrolling down. Most definitely. And you had no idea. Mm -hmm. But they ended up posting a picture together. These are your three closest friends. And you're the odd one out. You're still back in Wyoming oh, yeah. while your friends are out in New York partying. And you see those Ooh, that's things. That's snaky. <laughs> exactly. So you see that. I would say that that feeling that you get from seeing your friends, you know, out and having a great time without you would be the most direct definition of what FOMO is. Mm-hmm. It's the fear of missing out. So while your friends are out in Times Square, they're out in Central Park, you know, having a great time shopping, eating some of the best food. You're you know, you're out. at home and you're not. A part of that. Yeah. And it's not just like enjoying the 
the destination they're in. It's also that you're missing out on their inside jokes. You're missing out on like making a connection stronger. Being a part of the group. Yeah, and missing out being seen. Like it's, it seems like with Instagram that people just like to post their vacations. Like take me back. Right. Take me back to wherever they went to. (laughs) And social media is the root of a lot of problems today. You know, we discuss social media Almost on every episode. Yeah, that's a reoccurring that topic, done. and it's kind of essential. Right. <laughs> Maybe it, the reason why we made this show. Right. It's so relevant to everything that we talk about because everything that we do essentially today, like I said, stems from social media. And I guess what we can kind of bridge into are some real life examples and ramifications and so on and so forth of those things happening. And the first thing that comes to mind is I'll ask you is have you seen the new documentary on Netflix, which is nominated and won, I, I believe so, an mm-hmm. Emmy Award, the Fire Festival documentary? Yes. You have. Uh-huh. Yes, I did. It released in, like, 2018. or tw- No, it released just recently in 2019, right? Yeah, this year. And uh, it was, it's was. it been a big thing. So for those that are listening and don't know what the Fire Festival in itself was or what the documentary is, we're going to go ahead and give you a rundown of that. Oh, yeah. So, essentially, the Fire Festival was a festival founded by entrepreneur Billy McFarlane mm-hmm. and, and rapper and hip-hop mogul Ja Rule. Mm-hmm. Um, essentially, what they wanted to do was create an event that could help put their app, the Fire app, you know, on the map and get more promo and get yeah. the things rolling with the yeah. app. It was like a, a booking app yes. that kind of connected talent. Most with definitely. Like- because, right, most mm-hmm. definitely. Because the essentially what it was originally was it was always hard, or at least that's what they portrayed it as. It was always hard to book top end talent. You had to go through several loopholes. Um, yeah. Money was wasted here and there. So the Fire app was essentially a shortcut to get those things, make those things a lot more accessible yeah. and easier. As far as booking yeah. talent goes, top end talent. Yeah, to get your like show basically, because right. you have like the venue, you have the idea, you have what you want to go for, but all you're missing is the actual like meat of the performance. Right. Like, you you need your your singers, you need your musicians, like Mo- dancers. Most and definitely, that. and this gave you that that direct link to to get that done. Yeah, and it's it's a really good idea, and he did get um investors to give him like money. Right. To fuel this project. Right. So. Going from that, so we talked about, you know, the app. That's what the festival, its intent was to promote the app and get it to a bigger platform and on a higher level. So from there is where all of the chaos started to come in. So with the app, um, they essentially had to get some type of promo for the festival. The the festival had been an idea from both Billy and, and Ja Rule for quite some time. They were business partners. They were the founders. And the way they got the word out about the festival was by going, being out on the islands in the Bahamas yeah, and filming a video, which essentially blew up. It was a glamorous video. Also, uh, tagging along with that, a lot of celebrities were attached to it. Yes. They were coming out with influencers. Yes. Um, reaching out to them to market this event festival. These influencers probably didn't even know what this whole fire festival about, but they got paid for it. They also had um, Bleep Jerry. <laughs> yeah. Uh, to, As the is, marketing company. Yeah, like a, I thought it was like a meme account on Instagram. Well, Have yeah. Have you ever seen it? Yeah, I, I, I saw that. 
but it ends, uh, from what I understand, at least from documentary, it was a legit business, which I had no idea. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. it's a marketing company, mm-hmm. which which is crazy. Like, I, yeah. can, I can do that. That's like memes at anyone. Most can definitely, <laughs> it's like they're roasting themselves in the name of the. Yeah. You know, that's kind of that's hilarious in itself, right there. So that's another company that went down with this shipwreck or like attached, you know, mm-hmm. its name to this festival. Right. So the video in itself, what happened was, is that. They wanted to make this event seem like paradise, the best vacation, the best event that you could possibly attend. So like Maria said, it was almost the way I can best describe it is it was almost like they staged a good time prior to what they wanted and hoped to be a good time. So Mm -hmm. they brought out 60 of the top models, social media influencers, out to the Bahamas to just party with them. And they brought out film producers who could record every single moment. That was Billy's biggest thing is we need everything on camera so we can make this video and so we can make this seem like the most extravagant thing ever. To his point, in the video itself, it seemed like that's what they did. And that, the actual promo video might have been more of the actual, what the festival was supposed to be than the actual festival was. It was definitely glamorized. Mm -hmm. there's just so much that you can do <laughs> like with right. just marketing alone to make to like mess with your head and make, make something seem like something it's not. Right. They had all these women on the yachts so much nice weather, which right. we'll get to that later. Right. Alcohol. <laughs> the biggest pool factor that they wanted to have was they promoted. And it was true is that the island that hosted the entire festival or that they wanted to host the entire festival was Pablo Escobar's old island. It was like, come out and party on Pablo Escobar's old island. Come live with us. Come live lavish. Come turn up, you know, alcohol, mm-hmm. you know, women, music, all these things. It's just basically a young person's dream. Right. Like, Most definitely. Like to get wild, get crazy. And that's just the appeal of a lot of festivals nowadays. But you never really see the ugly side of it of the people running this this circus. <laughs> Most definitely, right. Yeah. So you go from the video. The video goes out. You know, Ja Rule is adamant about having everybody use this fire festival hashtag. Get the word out because once we do that, everything else will take care of itself. So you have models of the highest standard to even Kendall Jenner, who they paid $250,000 for one post to promo the Fire Festival. That's crazy. And that's, exactly. And as time goes on and on, the word is getting out. And, you know, these millennial teens, they're seeing this and they're like, this is the place that I need to be. And when those wheels get rolling, you know, they, they couldn't look back, that's essentially. The, the people who, who, who created the, the event, right? It's like you had yeah. to put on the show at this point because you had already pumped it up to be what it should be. It's paradise on Pablo Escobar's island, and now it's go time. And we got to get this yeah. thing rolling, and we have to do it promptly. We got to do it fast enough to where we can get it done within the next month or two. It's just crazy how, like, you know, um, talking about the influencers that had to market this festival, do you think that they they share the blame for, like, marketing this festival without knowing what it is without trusting where it came from well i I wouldn't say i wouldn't say that only because there are a few things one somebody like a billy mcfarland who had you know clout within the entrepreneurship industry and who was kind of well known everybody 
that they had get involved as far as from an influencer standpoint, they believed everything that Billy was telling them. And that's because of his oh, reputation in the business. Yeah. Exactly. In the business, though, you know, he was a believable person. He had already had, you know, some type of success with a previous venture before. He had millions of dollars. He was working with legit people and legit businesses and legit companies. Yeah. So from their standpoint, it's like, okay, this thing is going going to work, yeah. right? And some of them, they were getting paid for the advertisements of, yeah. of, of the Fire Festival itself. So I wouldn't say that they just didn't know they any better. Blame. Yeah. Exactly. They didn't know mm-hmm. any better. And and to the point of the event organizers, I would even say, and this is probably a hot take that, well, it's probably not even hot. They thought that they could put on the show that they promoted in that video yeah. as well. They thought that it could legit work as, as far as, you know, Billy and Ja mm-hmm. and, and all of the other it people involved. It was just a huge risk. Right. I just believe because... Um, remind me again, didn't they say that it took them like, like six months to plan this? I feel like it was a really short timeline. Most definitely. Because if you talk about something like an ACL or a Rolling Loud or any of these big festivals, like these are things that takes a year, thoroughly planned, Mm -hmm. right? Carefully planned and everything is very strategic. They do everything for a reason. Um, the locations are this most essentially most of these festivals take place in the same location every year. But they've built their rep over years to where, you know, they can go off and try new things. And the things that they were trying at the fire Festival were things that people in their eighth or ninth or tenth festival haven't even tried yet. It was just they were trying to rush and speed up the process faster than, you know, it was ready to to go for. Yeah. I wonder why he had to, like, speed it up so quick. Well, yeah, and and this is where I think you can kind of tie in FOMO. Not necessarily fear of missing out, but this is it's kind of along the same lines where you talk about the fear of being seen as a failure and you have the ego involved. You know, you're this big mogul, you're this big entrepreneur. You know, you got all these people who may respect you in the business, who see you as a huge success. So everything that you do, everything that your name is associated with it, in your head, it has to be on that grand of a level. And that's where Billy, Billy's demons got the best of him, I believe so. Yeah, like he always wanted to make things, which was like one of his very many mistakes, I I believe, is that he just tried to be the person that assured everyone that, oh, everything's going to be okay. Everyone's going to have a good time. Everyone's going to party. When really everyone, like his employees... And the people that he worked with was just freaking out because they right. don't they don't know how to like what they're gonna do like there was so much planning to do even the, even the pl- the local employees in the Bahamas like right. they didn't know what to do like yet yeah, like the bartender was even like hey y'all get to work because I'm worried about this too right. basically in the dinner table most definitely yeah and I he just he just wanted to be like such a great host and it just ended up like a big like that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I very much agree. So going off from where we left off as far as the timeline of this thing, you know, you have the video come out, you have all of these social media influencers influencers come out and, and promo the event. So the wheels are the wheels are pretty much rolling. And then this is where the trouble, you know, starts to take place. You know, you have the the owners of the island of uh, Pablo Escobar's old island. They had one request from Billy and it was 
do not promo this as Pablo Escobar's old island. And what happens? That's what they do. So that knocks Fire Festival from being on the island, essentially. And they have to find a new location to throw this big festival that they promised everyone else would be the grandest stage of them all. Mm-hmm. So you have to move. This is where the chaos starts to hit. You know, you're searching for islands. Um, one that are, that is big enough to hold thousands and thousands of people for a festival and for what a couple a weekend or a few days, and it's 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 chaos. But essentially, they do find an island, um, one of the in Exuma uh, in the in the Bahamas. They find yeah. an island, um, and from there, everything else continues to fall apart everywhere. Right, and it's it's important to mention that. So with the build up to this actual day. One, there were several instances where the people around Billy were telling him that we might not be able to pull this off, like pull out now. And Billy's biggest thing was we're not here to find problems. We're here to find the solutions. And that was his his kind of mantra. Yeah, he was trying to make things all okay. In and out. And so you get closer and closer to this event. You know, you're underfunded. Um, The caterer companies start pulling out. Some of the biggest artists start pulling out and you're not prepared to go. So all this is going on. You got everybody who's skeptical about the event, but because Billy says the show must go on, things continue to roll on. You get to the night before the event. Mm -hmm. They have all these, you know, tents set up, which they promised luxury living to everybody, right, Um, who visited the island, and they were not prepared to to occupy all of these people no. so they had all of these small tents with maybe air mattresses inside not even like some people even looked in the tents and like they're still shipping mattresses and cardboard exactly. boxes so as people are arriving they're still getting the entire setup together and it's absolutely absolute chaos atrocious right and <laughs> to make matters even worse the night before the event a rainstorm oh, yeah. occurs on the island so Whatever momentum they had going was quickly put to a halt. It was striked by the hand of God. By rain, and, right. And imagine all of these white tents that are outside. And from that point on, it's like, okay, this is not going to work. Let's pick up on where <laughs> it's the day. Like, they have a bunch of people on private jets. Like, ship them out from, you know, from the U.S. to the Bahamas and... When they get there, imagine this. They, they're, they like, shipped onto buses, right? And right when you walk in, it looks like disaster relief. Yeah. <laughs> it looks like there's FEMA-looking tents. You know, all these people are arriving, and Billy has to find a detour because it's like, okay, we're not all the way ready, so let's take them to a restaurant and let's get them drunk, and maybe that'll kind of get a, give us enough time to prepare mm-hmm. for um, what we can get out of this. Yeah, I mean, and they really did invest in the alcohol in this festival. They paid they paid $2 million in the alcohol alone, which was crazy. Right. And apparently, since, like, the food wasn't that great either, and they didn't have much of it, and they were just so tired and, like, hungry and whatever, like, bartenders were just handing out bottles. Yeah. It was even dangerous. Now you have, like people drunk out of their minds yeah like just all lost doesn't have a place to doesn't have a place to like sleep or even stay at people are still trying to find like their tents and then you know the guy like you know assigning all these shelter tents Mm -hmm. to everyone 
he had like a whole big old line of like 600 like by the hundreds of people still waiting to find like a bed and then billy mark farland was just like you know what y'all just just choose your tent just go yeah. find go find your tent which was a bad mistake mm, you know how make, much chaos that would have right, ensued to make matters even worse is they didn't even have everyone was waiting on their luggage so they pull in with a huge semi-truck and they just drop all the luggage out and say, here, go find your luggage and go find you a tent. And the places where they were supposed to hold everybody's um, belongings, they were just now setting those up as people were getting to the actual residencies on the island. So it was an absolute disaster. Everything was rained out. It was wet. Everyone was trying to find somewhere to go. Everyone was trying to find their luggage. People were intoxicated already. The weather probably wasn't the best outside. It was just absolutely horrific. Nothing like the video that they promote. And I would even note that, you know, prior to all of this, you know, the big detour when they got off the plane, like we just mentioned, and sending them to the restaurant and to the bars, that was probably the most fun that anybody who attended the festival had, you know, being there. You know, it seemed like at first it's like you go to this this nice restaurant, you know, you're drinking, you're having a good time. For the first couple hours, you're like, oh, this is cool. And, you know, we're going to get picked up in a minute and we're going to be taken to paradise. But, you know, they're there for eight hours. And after that, after so long, it's like, okay, what's next? Yeah. And you get to this and it's absolutely horrific. And, you know, you can't, I can't even put in the words, you know, you have Billy, you know, on the phones, you had everybody on the phone trying to figure out what to do. Everyone, all the employees telling the attendees, just wait, you know, we're going to figure this thing out. Mm -hmm. And nothing got figured out. And it was absolutely, like I said, chaos. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, thank God, like, none of the music performances, like, showed up. They were all pretty smart about that. I don't know, yeah. like, Blink-182. Yeah. They were really smart. They were, they were like, oh, we're just going to pull out. They put out a formal tweet on social media, like, saying, oh, we're not given what we need to give you guys a good show. So right. we have to pull out. And then other bands, other musicians followed on that example right. up to the point where there's no one. Right. And so I don't even, I don't even think like the people who came to fire festival knew that this was going to happen. Like they, they didn't, they didn't know. And so basically it was just disaster. Yeah. From top to bottom. And I've one, I highly recommend that anybody who hasn't seen this documentary, to go and watch it because it'll give you more insight than we possibly, you know, can, you know, from yeah. actual people who were there, video footage leading up to the festival yeah. and so on and so forth. Like it is it's really like I watched it and I it was, was in depth. Yeah. I watched it and I was in complete shock that these were actual events that occurred, yeah. you know, on this earth. And that's absolutely it was crazy. And that's really all I can say about it. Yeah, it's um, PR and event planning. It's just very interesting because it could either go really great. Or it could just be really bad to the point where, like, you have, like, the FBI, like, looking out for you. Right. and <laughs> People suing you. Right. So the biggest thing, you know, how we can tie this into to FOMO, because it's not necessarily, I wouldn't say a fear of missing out from the attendees, but I would even say is it was more of a fear of missing out from the organizers. It's like you don't want to miss out, not necessarily on a particular event, but on the rewards that come with it. So, you know, all the money, all the marketing success that would have happened if Fire Festival was a success. Yeah, the clout that you can get. Exactly. So missing out on, like you said, the clout and missing out on the fame and the attention, which is what I feel like Billy was all about. And that's what essentially got them in trouble. And then after the festival, 
and this disasters come out and people are posting on social media what's going on out there in the Bahamas, the media outlets start to jump in. And this is where everything is, is brought to light. And, you know, time goes on and Billy's in legal trouble. Everybody involved is in legal trouble. The FBI gets involved. They come and find out that Billy had been lying to people about having certain people perform, cheating people out of money. It's false advertisement. Exactly, false advertisement, fraud. So all those things that eventually led to the, at least the current demise of what Billy McFarlane was. You know, he now sentenced to six years in prison, but even after the fire Festival, he was still involved in fraud activities. Uh, with uh, oh, uh, things that we don't even something yeah just absolutely oh, horrific it's crazy because um that was actually my favorite part of the documentary when he he did something where he was trying to book like tickets to i don't know the big fat victoria secret fashion show and the like grammys Meta, the Oscar, like crazy events that like only Gala exclusive people are invited to yeah, and it's impossible to get these things. And exactly. then he was marketing that right after Fire Festival when all these people, I mean, the people got their money back. Mm-hmm. But the craziest thing, like he was marketing this. On top of that, he was doing it through another name. Well, yeah, he so he knew that his name was in fire. So yeah. he brought someone else on. To, to do his dirty work, who was sending out the emails. Yeah. And I believe it was the name was Frank or something along the lines of that. Maybe I could be wrong, but there was another individual involved yeah. who, was, who was sending out these emails. And the biggest, the craziest part about it is that the people being emailed about it were people who worked or attended the fire festival itself. So, so the people who attended it and people who worked there kind of caught on and they were contacting one another and saying, hey, are you getting these emails? And that's where they kind of figured out that something was crazy. Oh, yeah. But, but all in all, what the overarching point is, is that the fire Festival was a huge disaster. And because of the fear of missing out on what the clout, the fame, the attention, Billy McFarlane and everybody else involved created a disaster of an event. And it'll go down in history. People will talk about this for years and years to come. And it'll, it may even hurt people who want to put on a huge festival in the future as far as um, people willing to put their money up forth and supporting those things because of what happened here, you know, at at the fire festival. I don't think it's going to ruin festival culture for the future. I just think that people will be more like weary of it. They'll, they'll just ask more questions, make sure there's no red flags and people will just have to think for themselves because they were already asking these questions during fire festival. But the thing is, like the the social media accounts kept shooting them down. Yeah, kept deleting their negative posts, kept deleting their questions. That's just a like a straight red flag right there. Like oh, I'd be like, that's too sketchy. I don't want to be sent to a country like I've never been to with no reassurance whatsoever. Right, and even people with a reputation of putting on big events and and with experience in the festival industry knew that this was a disaster from the very beginning. But the people involved didn't listen because, like I said... They wanted Bill- money. <laughs> yeah, and Billy's message was, we're not about problems, we're about finding the solutions. And that's one, like I said, reoccurring message that you kept hearing throughout the documentary. Yeah. But sometimes it just takes... You have to, like, just own up. Like, you have to own up when you messed up because that was just the biggest thing that I could describe it as is just a big snowball effect Mm -hmm. of just letting like 
small problems add up to larger ones. Yeah. All because you wanted to, oh, everything's cool. Everything's fine. Everything, I got this all covered. It's no, not everything's okay. And sometimes you, you have to say that you're not okay. You have a problem. You need to, you need to fix it or stop this or do something. Like. Exactly. Yeah. I very much agree with that. Yeah. And poor, poor millennials. Right. And, <laughs> that and, suffered. Right. And, and, you know, the biggest, you know, we can kind of touch on this briefly because I know, you know, time is, you know, speeding up. But as far as the popularity and the culture of, of music festivals, you know, you talk about the Coachellas, the ACLs, the Rolling Louds, mm. the EDCs. You talk about something like Woodstock, which was a, was a huge failure. These are all like millennial like things where, you know, you got people involved, you got music involved. And I believe so, at least that the that the fear of missing out is what pushes people to attend these events. Um, at least oh, in my yeah. opinion. You, you never know. know what's the biggest event in culture history like ever exactly. to happen. Like, like ACL, which is something in Austin, the Austin City Limits, which is a massive event every year. You know, it brings new people every single year because the previous year, you may see on social media your friends attended and like the greatest event ever. And that brings more people in because they don't want to miss out on what could be the next big thing, especially for people who are involved in like the rave culture. And mm-hmm. and I think this conversation, you know, solely goes for those people who are really, you know, into it with rave culture and the, you know, attending different festivals. Just like like where a lot of people are. Right. And, you know, just to have a good time. It's it's a fun thing to do. Yeah, most definitely. Um, and missing out is one of those, you know, those biggest fears. Me personally, you know, I'm not a big, I don't like being around, you know, that many people. Yeah. So there's not really any FOMO when it comes to certain festivals <laughs> or things of that nature. And from the Looks of Fire Festival, that may keep me from going to, <laughs> even though that was probably one terrible example to use for, to set a standard for yeah. at least the rest of the really good ones and great ones out there that have continued traditions on for years and years and years. But that one was just absolutely horrific. I think, um, in my opinion, like what concludes with this whole FOMO thing, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a real thing, but it doesn't mean that you have to be where everyone is. Mm -hmm. Like just because you have a FOMO, I don't think like it'll lessen your value. Like it's nothing to be like afraid about. It's, it's in your head, but I mean, you should take care of yourself by reassuring yourself I don't need to be anywhere to like, you know, live my best life. Exactly. It's all like a mindset kind of thing. Be you. you Yeah, be you. If you just want to stay home, then stay home. If you want to go out, then power to you. I love, you know, going out. But, you know, just everyone has their own way of living life to their fullest. That's why everyone wants to go to Coachella. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Coachella. It looks, I mean, it looks cute. I mean, it gives you a reason to like, you know, dress how you want, like act how you want. And then, you know, it's just a fantasy land and like escape. It's that's what it is. Like this FOMO is just an escape from like, you know, from your your day to day life. Right. And so with an individual like Billy McFarlane and maybe even Ja Rule who see the the Coachellas and the success of the ACLs and the Rolling Louds in Miami and all of those great festivals and events that are put on. They see those successes and they want to mimic, you know, that success. They want to make the money, you know. They want to have the name, mm-hmm. you know, that those other establishments have accumulated over the last, 
several years. But there's a reason why they have success. Exactly. And that's so you gotta, proper time, yeah. proper planning, day by day, strategy. Right. Mm-hmm. Or everything's very, you know, strategic. So, yeah, it was just a huge disaster. But, you know, when you talk about FOMO, you know, those are essentially real things. And it may not even be missing out on a particular event. It's missing out on all the things that come with success and and with recognition and attention and all those things. And that's, I think, the overarching message that we can kind of take away from the failure of not only, you know, Fire Festival, but any other event. You know, that may come in the future or that has already failed, like maybe Woodstock or any of those things. So I think, you know, those are very much worth talking about. However, if you want a crazy crazy story to tell, I mean, (laughs) all for it. All for it. Go do your thing. I mean, I guess some people say that, you know, all publicity is good publicity or something along those lines. That's a that's an <laughs> arguable topic. Yeah, yeah, we can I could I could definitely debate you on that one. Yeah. And I think this example of this <laughs> festival was, you know, the biggest example of why that's not true. But yeah, uh, yeah. Uh-huh. combo mm-hmm. for another podcast and another episode. But yeah, I mean, um, that's that. Um, as far as what the fire festival was. We went ahead and tied that in. So, you know, just the fear of missing out. On, on millennial-like things when it comes to things like clout and attention, yeah. which is what I think a lot of our the people within our generation are driven by, um, is by being noticed and being recognized. So it's important to touch on. Um, is there anything else that you add in to kind of tie everything up together? Um, just you do you guys. You do you. Yeah. Do Make, you. As long as you're happy doing whatever you're doing, you know, stay happy. <laughs> Most definitely. <laughs> and don't. There's no reason to, you know, step outside of, you know, who you are and try to be someone else that you're not because that's what Billy McFarlane tried to do. Yeah. And with the festival, we've seen it. Um, It was an absolute disaster. Now Billy's in prison for the next six years. Probably get out before then. And do your research. Do your research before you make any, like, big trips like that with unknown festivals, unknown whatever. Um, You don't want to end up, like... I don't know, that Midsummer movie. <laughs> right. And, and, you know, just a quick point that you had several people who knew and felt like things weren't right, you know, through social media. You know, they didn't even see any production. Things were costing a ridiculous amounts of money and they had already been spending ridiculous amounts of money. But because of that fear of missing out on the actual event, they brought everybody there for something that was a red flag from the very beginning. And that, it ruined everything for him. And now it's known as one of the greatest disasters in, in recent memory. All because yeah. of FOMO. FOMO, All FOMO, FOMO, FOMO. From the organizers and from the people who attended. FOMO, FOMO, FOMO. Curse you, FOMO. Yeah, most definitely. So it's always great, you know, to kind of, you know, take a deep dive into these topics that involve pop culture. And sometimes, you know, we throw it back and talk about things that happened before that we grew up with. But this was a really good one because, you know, I watched this documentary and, you know, going into it, I really didn't know what to expect. I wasn't really excited to watch it, but leaving <laughs> it and turning it off, I was like, okay, that was really good. And that was really yeah. insightful. So. Yeah. And it's something that not a lot of people think about. And I, I feel like this documentary shared, like shed a lot of awareness yeah. to yeah. like, you know, Festival what you culture in for. itself and the, the type yeah. of people who are involved um, behind the scenes and the people who actually attend those those type things when it comes to the raves, the festivals and all those things kind of gave you some insight on, on what mm-hmm. that looks like. So I very, you know, very much recommend that. Um, but, you know, if there's nothing else, you know, we always want to give a shout out to the other KTSW podcast. I'm going to give a shout out to Claws to the Wall, 
sports podcast that's booming. You know, you got Educated and Highly Melanated, which we always shout out on here. Yeah. You got The Gin Show. You got us. You got... Goblins of Wrath. Yeah. Dungeons and Dragons, if that's still going. <laughs> yeah. Know, um, just a lot of great podcasts and a lot of great things going on here at KTSW. So go ahead to KTSWblog.net and check all those things out from news to sports to the podcast to promo. To ghost hunting. Yeah. Like, literally, there's a lot. Anything so. you need, um, we got it here at KTSW. And we want to give KTSW a thanks for giving us the platform to come on here and talk about the things we want to talk about and say things we want to say and have these interesting conversations. Yeah, thank you, KTSW. Most definitely. And as always, ladies and gentlemen, it's been fun. It's been great. It's been episode eight. And that was a rhyme right there. <laughs> <laughs> but ladies and gentlemen, I'm Jaden. And I'm Maria. And we are gone. We out. <laughs>